Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome. This is Joe. I'm doing a live coaching call right now with some folks. And I wanted to stream, we already answered a lot of the questions here, and I wanted to stream something cool that I've been working on that I think you're going to get a kick out of. And basically, I've been doing a lot of land deals lately, right? And one of the reasons why I love vacant land is because I can get cash flow from vacant land. What? Cash flow? Yeah, you can get cash flow from vacant land. You buy it with cash at 25, 35 cents on the dollar, and you turn around and you sell it for... 85 cents on the dollar for cash, maybe 100, 105 cents on the dollar with owner financing. So an example, I'm going to walk through some examples in these two spreadsheets here with you guys in a minute. But I want to, I want you guys to start thinking bigger about like, you can wholesale these deals and make a quick five to 10 grand. And that's awesome. Sometimes a quick nickel is better than a slow dime. But what if you could hold on to some of them, maybe every month wholesale the first vacant land deal. And then the rest of them for the next month, next three weeks, you... Um, sell them with owner financing. Because here's one of the advantages, the big, big advantages of owner financing is when you're advertising a vacant lot. And remember, we like rural, vacant, recreational land. We like property that's way out in the sticks, an hour, two hours away from the city. That's, that's You could do something, you know, five to 20 acres, something that's bigger. Um, you're going to sell, the, you're going to buy those things for super cheap. You're going to sell them for cheap. But there's a lot of demand for owner financing of those kinds of properties, right? So when you advertise it for every one call that you get from a cash buyer wanting to pay cash for it, you're going to get four or five calls from people wanting to owner finance it. And our owner financing is super simple. And this may, some people that are really into notes um, may disagree with us, not like it, but we sell it to the first person that makes a deposit and um, can make the monthly payments. We don't pull credit. We don't um, really qualify them. It's just dirt. It's just vacant land. That's not, doesn't, Dodd-Frank doesn't apply to this because it's vacant land. Nobody's living on the land. If there was a house on it or they were going to build a house on it, then that's a different story. But um, this is just cheap, rural, recreational vacant land. So I'm going to show you some numbers here with a spreadsheet that are going to blow you away because you could buy a property that's worth 10 grand. You could buy it for $2,000, sell it for 10 grand on owner financing and get two to 300 bucks a month from that thing. Now it's going to last you, that cash flow will last five years or less, maybe more. So it's not as long, like when you're selling a house or renting a house, you get cash flow for 30 years or more. Land is going to be a little different, but I would argue that land is still better than houses when it comes to cash flow because you don't have the hassles. And there are a lot of hassles of, and I've owned a lot of rental properties and I buy a lot of properties from tired landlords, right? They owning rental properties, houses is very, very difficult. Very difficult. I was listening to a podcast was it a podcast or a video? No, no. There's somebody, I won't mention names, but it's somebody on the radio. They do a lot of radio shows, if you know what I'm talking about. And uh, they were talking about this. It was a testimonial for this program, the real estate investing program. They're talking about how awesome this deal was. All right. So get this. I'll just, rough memory here. The house is worth about 150. They bought it for, I think like 110. They put 30 into it for repairs. So now there's $10,000 in equity. They were bragging about that, by the way, because it's a long-term buy-and-hold rental. So they were saying it has $10,000 in equity. 
Okay. So it's worth 150. They bought it for 110. They put 30 into it. So they're all into it for 140, which I question that number to begin with. What about their buying costs, their carrying costs, all of that other stuff while they were fixing it up? Now the values have gone down as well. All right. So whatever. Listen, what we're seeing right now are the same things we saw back in 2006 and seven. It's getting crazy. People are happy with deals with only 10 grand in equity. They're happy with deals that have maybe no equity as long as they cash flow. Well, here's the thing. I don't know what it rents for, but she said, we're getting $500 a month in cash flow on this thing. I'm thinking, no, 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 you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. Let's look at the numbers and maybe I can share, you know what, let's do that. Let's look at what the numbers probably are on this thing. And I'll share this with you in a second here. Let me sign in. There's a website I like to use called dealcheck.io. And uh, we'll look at something here in just a minute. But okay, so the cash flow on this thing was like, she was saying $500 a month. I think, whoa, no, 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 no. Maybe, maybe, but I doubt it. Why? Because, and they said, we didn't use any of our own money. So they leveraged this whole thing. So they basically owe 140 and it's worth 150. So what's their mortgage payment on a $140,000 mortgage? Taxes and insurance. I'm going to guess maybe... 1200 bucks, 1000 to $1,200. Maybe things have gone up with higher interest rates. It's going to be around 1200 bucks. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong, please. All right. They're renting that thing for probably, depending on where it is, or let's say worst, best case, their PITI is 1200 and they're renting it for 1800 a month. So most people, not most, but some people, when they're talking about how great their rental property is, they're looking at, okay, I'm getting you know 1700 a month in rent and I'm my mortgage payment is 1200 a month. All right, so I'm good. I'm getting $500 a month in cash flow. But there are so many things that people forget about. Number one, vacancies. One vacancy is going to eat up at least three months of rental income. I'm telling you, that's the way it is. You're going to have one or two months where they're not paying, a month for you to get them out, another month or two to clean the property up and get another tenant in there. Anytime you have a vacancy, maybe it's once every three years, but you're going to have three months of lost rent. So if your rent is... $1,750 a month. Let's get a calculator out because it's not that hard if I can find it. $1,750 times three, that's $5,200 you've lost in income on that property. So any cash flow that you think, boom, right there, it's already gone. So you should be setting aside when you own rental property, houses, at least 10% of your rent every month for future vacancies and repairs. And, and thank you, Dan. Don't forget about the repairs. You're going to have three, four, five grand in repairs to get the property cleaned and fixed up again, right? Yes. All right. Then if you have a property manager, you're going to have to pay that property management company a fee to put a new tenant in there, which is usually one month's rent. So there's another $1,700. It is not uncommon. Unless you're managing these properties yourself, you're doing them in repairs and maintenance yourself, it's not uncommon to lose five to $10,000 on a regular single family median priced home when you have a vacancy. Five to 10 grand. It's not uncommon. You have things to fix up, lost rent, property management fees, blah, blah, blah. And who's making that mortgage payment, by the way? Do you think you can call the bank and say, hey, you know what? I'm sorry. I can't make the next payment for a few months. Can you just wait? Can you put a pause in it? Because I got to fix this thing up and get another tenant in there. The bank's going to say, uh, we don't care, which is a great lesson to learn because it's always better to be the bank than to be the landlord, isn't it? Oh, but the banks are only getting 3%, 5 6%. But I'm telling you, it's always better to be the bank than it is the landlord. Who has all the biggest buildings in downtown, right? It's the insurance companies and the banks and the technology companies. All right, so hold on. You're absolutely right. Dan is saying rentals are 
for getting rich over the long term. And you're absolutely right. So my I tell people is until your properties are paid off and like you should not count any of that cash flow as cash flow. Every dollar that comes in, you should be setting aside for things like vacancies, maintenance, future repairs, future capital expenditures, property management, and anything else. So if you're getting really 500 a month of cash flow, you need to be, you better be saving every single penny of that every single month and not put any of it aside. And then any extra cash flow after you have a good savings account goes to paying down your principal faster. Forget the lies and the BS of refi till you die to build, to refinance and get into more and more debt. You'll never experience financial freedom that way unless you're doing bigger apartment buildings, big complex commercial deals and things like that. All right. So back to the single family house. This lady's getting 500 a month in cash flow. And then she says, my cash on cash return was 30%, which didn't make any sense to me because she's not using any of her own cash in the deal. So how did her cash on cash return is infinite, isn't it? If she's not using any of her own cash. But regardless, when you see in a lot of turnkey providers do this, turnkey providers that are selling rental properties, they put the deal out there, 20% cash on cash return, 20% ROI. And you look at the numbers, you've got to look at it. You should always be setting aside on rental properties. And I'm going to tell you why, after explaining all this, why land is so much better, because you don't have to do this. Now, there are advantages to houses. You get tax write-offs and depreciation. You can use leverage. You can't do those kinds of things with vacant land, but bear with me here. You have to save at least 10% for vacancies, 10% every month off the gross rent that comes in. You've got 8 to 10% for property management. You've got to have regular maintenance and repairs. You should be setting aside at least 8 to 10% for that, okay? Like, you know, the faucet needs to be replaced or fixed or the garage door opener stops working or whatever, right? Then another huge expense that so many people forget and ignore is future capital expenditures. What does that mean? That water heater in five years, you're going to have to replace it. How much is that going to cost? The roof, you're going to get new, need to get new flooring, new carpet when that tenant moves out, right? So there is a lot. So you're looking at really, maybe if you're, if you're really, really good at managing rental property, 40%, 40 to 50% of your rental income is going to be gone to uh, future repairs and maintenance, vacancies, property management, and things like that. 40 to 50% of your rent is gone. Then you've got the debt service that you got to make. You got to make payments on that stuff, right? It stresses me out thinking about it because I was that guy with rental properties and it was great on paper. You can get a spreadsheet to tell you anything you want. <laughs> I'm going to be showing you some spreadsheets here in a minute. But you always got to think worst case scenario. If you own rental properties, you need to make sure you're setting aside. Like you should think, I don't have, I'm not making any cash flow on these things. I'm telling you again, one vacancy in a year and a half or two years later down that road with that nice tenant that's really awesome. And you're going to have, if they stop paying rent, you're going to have one or two months of fixing the house up maybe evicting them. You're going to have all of those costs associated with that loss rent. And then once it's cleaned up, you've got to advertise it to get another tenant in there. Then you have to pay the property management company another month, a one month's rent fee to place a new tenant in there. You're looking at three to four months of lost rent, at least in rental expense. Okay. So why vacant land? Okay. Because you don't have to save any money for vacancies, maintenance, management repairs, future capital expenditures, and things like that. You have taxes, 40 bucks, 100 bucks a year, 200 bucks a year, maybe. You will have vacancies. You know, you maybe you could say, well, Joe, you're going to have a higher default rate with vacant land than you would with houses. Okay, maybe. But here's the thing. When I'm buying vacant land, I'm buying it at 25 to 35 cents on the dollar. 
So I'm, if that property, simple round numbers, it's worth 10 grand. I'm buying it for $2,500. So even if I'm using private money, even if I'm using a credit card to buy this property, I'm paying that thing off in six months. With a house, you have to pay it off in, you have 30 years. If you're doing good, you pay it off in 15 years. So you're basically, let's, for all intents and purposes, you've got a free and clear asset that's producing cash flow. What's cash flow? Anything that puts money in your pocket. What's liability? Anything that takes money out of your pocket, right? So what if you could have a portfolio of 20 vacant lots that are debt-free, free and clear, putting in three or $400 a month in cash flow? So I'm going to show you a spreadsheet here, kind of looking at the numbers. How am I doing with time? I'm doing good. Looking at the numbers of like, well, what is the potential cash flow for some of these deals? And then I'm going to show you another spreadsheet on how you can make multiple offers to sellers. What if you used, have you ever heard of the phrase arbitrage? Arbitrage is where you, and I can't define it. Maybe I should Google it. But it's like you take something and then you, you kind of, let's look at it actually here. Arbitrage. And I will share my screen, hopefully here. Boom, ba boom, ba boom. Is this it? Yes, see my screen? All right. Type in the chat, you guys can see this. Arbitrage is the simultaneous buying and selling of securities, currency or commodities in different markets or in derivative forms in order to take advantage of differing prices for the same asset. So what if you could arbitrage owner financing? So you buy a deal with owner financing at maybe 3% interest, and then you sell the deal with owner financing at maybe 10 or 11% interest. Oh, that's pretty fascinating. What if you gave a seller an offer to buy their lot and you gave them two options? Hey, I'll pay you cash for your property at 25 cents on the dollar, or I'll give you 50 cents on the dollar for owner financing your property. I'll double my price if you carry the financing. Ah. Now you're giving sellers options, right? What if then you even went to the, you go and look for listed properties, listed vacant land in some good areas, find some properties that are listed with agents and send those kinds of offers to the agent. You might be able to find some deals, right? So I was talking about houses. There's a tool that I really, really like to use. It's called DealCheck. Um, if you go to uh, dealcheck.io, let me open up a new screen and I'll, I'll send this to you. I have an affiliate link, don't I? joemccall.com slash dealcheck, I think. Maybe not. Oh, bingo. Hot diggity dog. All right. So I'm going to do a new screen share with you here on this other screen. Um, if you go to joemccall.com slash deal check, this is a software that I love and I do get a commission from this, but you can try it for free and it's only 10 bucks a month and it helps you analyze rental properties. I've done videos on this before. Of all of the rental analyzing software out there, this is by far the best. And I've looked at almost all of them. It's 10 bucks a month. There's a free version but you get all kinds of really good comps at the 20 bucks a month. So I'd recommend getting the uh, the monthly and that's if you pay annually, whatever, okay? All right, so let me do a uh, let me do a new screen share here. And let's walk through an example. Let's look at what a house would be using that example that I just did. And let's go look for a real one on, I like Redfin, Redfin. Somebody give me a county right now in the chat of a, of a city that you live in. I'm gonna give you five seconds. One, two, a county. Quick, quick, chop, chop. Three, London, Tennessee, Riverside County. No, that's too expensive. Bernalillo. What, what is that? Right? Oh, I want a county for uh, for uh, houses, not vacant land. Prince William, Virginia. I don't know where that is, but let's look that up. Prince William County, Virginia. Okay, so this is near DC. I'm assuming these houses are pretty expensive. Well, let's see what we got here. Uh, let's look for sale. Let's look for anything under 300,000. Goes down from 505 to 56. All right, let's just... I was going to say, let's look at this property, but it's a vacant lot. All right, let me let me just let me do a different county that I know 
remember I was talking about, uh, this is St. Louis County, Missouri. And I was talking about this lady who bought a house for 150 grand and she owed 140 on it. And she's getting $500 a month cash flow. The purpose of me showing you this is to show you, I'm calling BS on that politely and nicely because she's just misinformed. And she's going to find out soon enough well, what the deal really is. Okay. So let's say I'm looking for homes right now that are selling for under 150 grand. And let's make sure these are houses and let's make sure they're not complete wrecks. So let's say a minimum price, 125. So we're looking for properties that are currently on the market in St. Louis area for 125 to $150,000. There's 174 of them, which would tell you maybe St. Louis County, St. Louis is a good market to buy rental properties. And I'm not saying again, I'm not saying rental houses are bad and evil. Um, I'm going to show you, let's just compare a house to a vacant lot, shall we? All right. So some of these have been on the market for like less than a, less than a day. Let's let's change this a little bit to maybe narrow them down to, well, the thing I like about Redfin is you can do a search here for like the keyword motivated. Let's look. Motivated. There's one home. This home has the word keyword motivated in it. They're asking 147. This is, oh, it's in Illinois. It's an okay area. There's other keywords you can look at. Let's try uh, L TLC. There's three homes. TLC. This one's a short sale. Okay, this is a great house right here. This has been on the market. It's a great neighborhood area of town. It looks like a nice house from the outside. And uh, it's been on the market 141 days, three bedrooms, two baths, 1,620 square feet. Their asking price is 145. Let's look at the pictures. I'll make, make it a little bigger here. And you'll see why I like deal check here in a minute, because it's going to save you, when you're analyzing rental properties, it's going to save you a ton of time. And you can see this house just needs cosmetic work really, right? Doesn't need a whole lot. This might be a great rental property. Let's see here. All right. I'm going to just take this address, copy it, and let's put it into this deal check software. I'm going to click add property and I'm going to do import property data. I'm going to put the address right here, click search, and deal check will pull this property up. Again, joelmccall.com slash deal check. And you're going to be glad that you, if you're doing houses, this is good to look at. So this is giving me here the property. It was built in 1966. It brought all of this up, right? Three bedrooms, two baths, attached basement. I wonder what a detached basement looks like. Or maybe the parking. Okay. The parking is attached in the basement. <laughs> okay. Is that right? I guess that's what you call that. I call this a split level, right? When you walk in the door, you either go up or you go down. This has been back on the market. By the way, let's look at this here. Looking for a three bed and two bath, two car garage. You come to the right place. Lots to offer. Nearby dining access, shining wood floors, some newer carpet, uh, level backyard and large patio utility. Home needs some TLC and some repairs. Special financing with six grand in lender credit. Be paid available. So this seller might be getting a little motivated. All right. So anyway, let's look at this back at deal check. Realtor.com estimate, 145, what it's listed conveniently, right? They're renting, the rent estimate is about 1380. For this area, I think that's about right. Okay. Property taxes, two grand a year. Insurance, they're estimating 725 a year. No previous sale history. This is interesting. Um, nearby schools, photos, it pulls the photos up from Zillow, I think brings in the information. It was listed September 2022. So as I'm recording this about four months ago, there is the uh, listing agents information. Cool. Let's click save property. And now let's put some numbers in for like, if we're going to analyze this property, and there's a few things you need to do with that then as we're looking at this, let's go to edit property right here, edit property. Let's say we buy this thing for 140. You know, let's do this. We're going to make them an offer and, and we're going to, let's make them an offer at 85% of what they're asking price. That's pretty fair for an MLS listed property. So they're asking 180, 145 
Let's times that times 85%. So let's offer 123,250. And let's say they say, okay, fine. The after repair value on this property, let's say it's one, because we're going to fix it up, make it nice. Let's make it 155. Just I'm spitballing those numbers. I have no idea. And we're going to use financing. And financing, you know, when you get an, some of you guys help me out here, you're going to put down 20% on a, uh, on a loan, probably 25%, depending on how many properties you have, the more, the better. And you're going to finance this. What's a good interest rate for an investor loan right now? 7%? Help me out here in the chat. 7.5%? All right, let's just do, let's do 7%. Oops, 7. 30 years? Okay, cool. What's a, what's a good down payment these days? Let's, let's, let's be conservative and let's be friendly. Let's say 20% down, 7% interest. This is an investor loan. No t uh, mortgage insurance. Cool. Purchase costs, you're going to have about 3% in purchase costs. Rehab costs. You can itemize it here. Let's just say, you know, 15 grand to get this thing nice. That's going to be cosmetic. Paint, carpet. I think that's actually pretty low. There's a tool I use in FreedomSoft that helps me come up with rehab estimates, but I'm not going to do that. If you go to FreedomSoft and just put in the uh, address, add it in as a lead, give some basic information. It'll give you a rental grade rehab and a fix and flip nice rehab based on how much you want to put into it. But let's just, let's say 15 grand to get it rent ready. And it's almost rent ready as it is now, but let's keep it at that. Let's say the gross rent, you can view recent rental comps right here, which is one of the cool things I like about this. This is the property and you can bam right here, look at similar properties from a map, what they're renting for. And Rentcast, this is a service I guess they use. They're saying $1,380 a month. It ranges from $1,250 to $1,510. The average list from what they're showing down below is $1,340. Um, if you look at rent per square foot, it's about $1,800. So you just can kind of look at this. I'm going to say, I'm going to make this nice. So I'm going to set the rent at $1,500 a month. Some of these homes are, you know, less than a mile, two miles away. So I'm going to do $1,500 a month. Let's go back to edit property. Where does that go? Right here. Let's do, let's do $1,495. How about that? Vacancy rates. Ah, 10%. Cool. Other income? No. Operating expenses. I like to itemize this. All right, so taxes are going to be two thousand a year. Insurance about seven twenty five a month. Roger, I we are Dana. Will you help Roger here? He says we never respond to his comments or answer the questions. Roger, maybe you just got on, but I've been answering a lot of questions here from the chat. Yeah, I think he wasn't able to open the links. I'll see if I can email him or something. Okay, sorry, Roger. I, I, we're doing our best. All right, so uh, seven twenty five a month or a year for insurance. Property management ten percent. Maintenance, percent of rent, you know, eight to 10%. I like 10%. Capital, future capital expenditures, at least 10%. These are things, again, you're going to replace a water heater or roof or whatever, 10%. All right, let's go back. And we're figuring 644 a month on operating expenses. Long-term projections, 3% a year. I think that's okay. Income increase, you're going to increase the rent. Expenses are going to increase a little bit. When you sell it later on down the road, you're going to pay realtor commissions, let's say 6% there. Now we're adding in depreciation. So this is where the real value of owning rental property for the long-term, as long as it's a long-term play, this is where the value of owning rental property comes in because you can write off and it helps offset your taxes. We good there? All right. So let's look at buy and hold projections. Well, let's look at um, the, the, the property analysis first. Here is the analysis. You need 43 grand to get this property. That's down payment money and rehab money, okay? Now, there's different ways, you know, you could maybe buy it with hard money and then refinance it. That's getting a lot harder to do, by the way. But your real cash flow on this deal is $25 a month. That's your real cash flow a month. And your cash on cash return on this deal, I'm telling you, it's not 30%.
you're looking, um, this is pretty bad, less than 1% cash on cash return. But let's look at the numbers here, okay? If you're buying it for 123, you're financing this, you're getting down payment. So your purchase costs are about $3,700. Your rehab costs are about 15 grand. So this is your cash needed, 43 grand. Where's that going to come from? Maybe you've got it sitting in a bank account. If you borrow the private money, if you borrow that money private from a private lender, you don't have any cash flow then because now you're paying them something. But let's say you're lending, you're, you're paying, you know, you're amortizing this over 30 years. Here's the numbers, okay? Gross rents, $1,495. You have vacancies and you have operating expenses, which is going to be about 49% of your income. Yeah. Dan says that $25 is burned up with gas after two trips to the property and Home Depot. Your loan is going to be $656. And if you open up any of these things, it kind of shows you what this stuff is. But I'm telling you guys, these numbers right here, let me zoom in. This is what you don't see. If you were to Google turnkey rental properties, let's see who comes up. Here's somebody in St. Louis. Now, hopefully I'm not offending somebody by this. Here's a turnkey rental property for sale. Let's look at the details. I don't know. This may just be a property right off the MLS. But sometimes they give you numbers, projections, and they're smart. They don't. But okay, if I had more time, I would find some of these and show you the horrendous mistakes that some of these turnkey providers do with their properties. Oh, uh, here we go. Let me, let me just look at maybe the, the, some of this is new construction, maybe. I don't know. Let's see here. This is a property in Detroit, Michigan. There you go. That's a great market to be in. It's a nice house though, right? You buy this thing for 19, 119,000, the rents for 1200. Oh, good. That meets the 1% criteria. This must be a great deal. They're saying a 35% cash on cash return, $264 a month in cash flow. They call it BS. All right. But here they're showing your total investment would be this because it doesn't need any repairs. So that's good. Let's see if they tell you anything more about the property here. Financing options, property management company, investment terms, buying process. So they don't show you anything about this number. How they came up with this, I just call BS. Maybe you'll be managing the property yourself, but this is no way. See, what my point is bringing this up is, and God bless Martel Turnkey, whoever they are, they don't show you these things here. Most turnkey providers don't. And this is what frustrates me with some of these late night gurus. You got property taxes, you got insurance, you've got vacancies. You've got maintenance and capital expenditures. Guys, I'm setting aside 10%, which is only $150 a month. $150 a month times 12, 150 times 12, that's only $1,800 a year. Over three years, that's $5,400. Guess what? You have three years of just one thing to go wrong, like a roof, water heater, furnace, a leak. You have to replace vanities, you know, re-fix uh, uh, the, all the mold and the, 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 the shower and things like that. It stresses me out just thinking about it. Even on a good property like this, you're doing good if you get, if you break even, you're doing good. All right. Anyway, net operating income, your cash flow on this thing, 25 bucks. If I were to run these same numbers on this property, I bet you, not this one, I bet you my cash flow would be zero to negative, especially in this neighborhood. Somebody here says, oh, never mind. I won't say it. Somebody was saying something not nice about Detroit. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, can you really, this is a three bedroom, one bath. It's a 915 square foot house. Can you really get $1,200 a month for 915 square foot house in Detroit, Michigan? Maybe, 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 maybe. All right. So uh, back here to this, these are the kind of numbers you need to look at, right? Let's look at the cap, the investment returns. You're talking about cash on cash return, less than 1%. This is kind of the bit, my favorite number to look at cash on cash return. And what is, how do you define that? It's your yearly cash flow divided by your total cash invested. Real simple return. That this is really, this is your, this is a return on your cash. 
How much cash are you getting back as a percentage of the cash you put into the deal? Okay. Very important to know that number. The rent to value is good. Now, here's the cool thing about deal check is you can have purchase criteria. So you can say, all right, well, I want some criteria. I want, and you can set these up. I can edit the criteria here. You can say, I want it to pass the 1% rule, which means the rent is at least 1% of the, the value of the home. 50% rule, that's like, uh, we'll look at that in a minute, but I'm pretty sure that's, it's got to pass, the operating expenses need to be less than 50% of the gross annual rent. So one of my criteria was it has to be cash flow more than $100 and the cash on cash return needs to be more than 10% on this example. And it failed both of those. So you could go in here and edit criteria and you could say, you, these are all the criteria you could you can put in there. You could say, well, I want the purchase price, cash needed, 70% rule, 1%, 2% rule, 50% rule, cash flow, boom, 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 boom. Cash on cash return, all right? And then there's financial ratios you could put in as a minimum criteria. Let's go back to where we were on this thing. So this isn't going to work. This isn't a good deal. Let's look at buy and hold projections. This is where if you're holding this kind of a property long-term, this is might be where it makes sense. So your expenses by year, and you can see it goes one year to five, 10, 20, then 30 years over here, okay? Operating income, your cash flow per year is $300. Not too great, but what's happening here? You're getting a lot of deductions from depreciation, loan interest, and operating expenses. So you get to write off 19, almost 20 grand a year from, um, from your taxes, your income. Not bad. And you also have, um, you're, you're building up equity. So your loan, your, your tenant is paying the rent for you. So you're building up equity in the property, which is good. You know, year five, you got $86,000 in equity. That's significant. <laughs> That's really good. And if you sell it on year five, you know, you're going to walk away with a total profit of year five of $35,000. Not bad. Better than a punch in the gut, better than a poke in the eye with a stick. And if you hold it for 30 years, you're going to make your total profit on this deal will be $405,000. That's really good. This is why when you buy rental property, you need to look at the long-term buy and hold wealth building factor of all this. All right. So anyway, the cash flow does grow over time. Pretty good. I love this, right? Because it helps you really see what these properties are like. And then you can look at sales comps here. If you want, you can, it pulls up comps for you on these properties. You can do rental comps as well right here. Let me scroll all the way up. And so the cool thing about these rental comps is when you're putting together a report, if you're a realtor or if you're a wholesaler and you're selling this property, you can put together a 10-page report summary of this property and give it to someone. I'll show you what that looks like in a minute here. You can see the, the um, owner records from, from county records. It pulls up some information from the county records. Sometimes it gives you the owner information. Sometimes it doesn't. Owner lookup, you could look that up if it's available. I don't think it is. It's not showing any sale history or any current owner information. That's fine. All right, let's look at offer calculator. One of the cool things about this is if, if, you, if you're super, like if you're, it's really important that you want to have a cash on cash return of 10% then that means you need to buy it for $73,000, not 123. So it tells you what you need to buy it for if you if you're if you have to make $250 a month net 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 cash flow, then um you'll need to buy it the number will be a little different there, won't it? So I'm going to uncheck cash on cash return and so then you need to buy it for $78,000, not 123. So it's pretty cool how it does that, right? Um again, I always like cash on cash return. Let's say you're happy with 8% well, you're still, then you're limited by the cash flow there. So really nice how you can cal calculate the offers. And then one more thing I'm going to show you here is you can create a report. So let's say you're a wholesaler and you're selling this property to somebody else and you're marketing it. You can create a, re a PDF report. And I'm going to copy this link and put it in the Zoom chat for you guys. Those of you that are watching on Zoom, you can take a look at that. And let's also just look at it here and what it looks like. This is just a link 
that you can send to people to review the property if you're selling this deal. So you might be a realtor selling these rental properties. It's really cool. And I'm going to show you what the PDF of this thing looks like too. Let's download the PDF and I'll open that in a minute here. But this is a link that you can share. Let's go back here with um, you know your prospective buyers. It explains the cash needed, the cash flow, the cap rate, the cash on cash return. This will be a hard deal to sell maybe. If I fudged on the numbers and did what these guys did at Martell, I could make the numbers look pretty good. All right, sorry. Here's a map. You can view satellite, zoom in on the properties next to you know an industrial park, a, uh, a uh, what do you call it, a um, junkyard or something. This looks like a good area, right? This is a nice area. This is a good long-term buy and hold. All right, anyway, you can look at all the numbers are going to be right here, just like what we were looking at before. Pretty cool. And when you're showing these reports, it's really important that you under-promise and over-deliver. So if the rents are going to be fourteen to fifteen hundred a month, you should tell them the rents will be fourteen hundred a month. If the repairs are going to be ten thousand to twenty thousand, then you need to put twenty thousand in these reports. And so this thing is a link you can email to people, and it has your contact information. It has all well it has all of the for sale comps, all of the rental comps that you put in here, and then at the very end, it's got the pictures that came from the listing, and it's going to have your contact information at the bottom if they want more information about the property. So here's the PDF. It's sixteen pages which is super cool. I don't know why I'm talking about all this because some of you are going to like, you're going to be using, I, I, did a, I did a class with a lady, um, Alicia, 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 and um, we were teaching people how to make money as a realtor selling investment properties to investors. And uh, she started using this report and just fell in love with it because her buyers were going crazy over how beautiful and amazing this report was. And she was just finding deals off the MLS or from investment groups like Facebook groups, and then sending them out to her clients. And they're going goo-goo-ah and crazy because she's sending these to doctors and dentists in California who like numbers. And they're looking at this and thinking, this is amazing. All the property analysis and returns, okay? Uh, the cash flow, boom. Buy and hold projections, love it. All of your ratios, cash flow over time, equity over time. And then a page or two pages of the recent comparable sales and you can choose which ones to choose, chose and not show. Like you maybe not want to show the $30,000 one. And then a list of two pages of rental comps. And here it's showing the estimated average is $1,790. I put in there $1,495, right? So you can see, again, you can pick and choose which rentals to show as comps. It uploads all of the photos, any additional information, and then disclaimers, and then your information is at the top. All right, so is that pretty cool? All right, now... What I wanted to, I wanted to compare, like if you were to go buy a property like this, which isn't a bad deal as long as you're doing it long-term, but you've got to be aware of what the numbers really are. And if you're interested in cash flow, well, okay, you can buy a house, but you're going to be all in this thing for maybe, I don't remember the numbers, a hundred, you know, after repairs and all that, you're going to be all in for, let's just look at it one more time here. Sorry. You're buying it for 123, you're putting 24 down. You have 15 grand. You're going to be all in for $138,000, $140,000. Okay. You're going to be all in for $140,000 and it's worth $150,000. So you're, you're now in debt by $98,000 and you've got, and you've used up $43,000 of your own cash. So you have a loan of almost $100,000 and you've sucked up $43,000 of your own cash. That's a pretty deal. I mean, that's a pretty bad deal to get just $25 a month in cash flow. What would happen if you, did a vacant land deal. So I'm going to share this number. If you're a student of mine in the land course, you'll have access to the spreadsheet. And if you watch my webinar, I give you this spreadsheet away for free in the webinar. If you go to simplelandclass.com, okay, simplelandclass.com, 
It's in the webinar. Again, if you're a student watching this right now in Zoom and you have my land course, you get access to this. It's included. It's in there. All right. Anyway, so here's some approximate numbers. This is a typical land deal. Let's say it's five acres. It's worth 20 grand. I'm going to buy it for 25%. I'm going to buy it for $5,000. And if I sell it with owner financing, I'm going to sell it for 105 grand. If I sell it for cash, I'm going to sell it at a discount. I'm going to sell it at 85%. So I'm buying it for five and I'm selling it with owner financing for 21,000 or I'm selling it for cash for 17,000. And if you figure average closing costs, my total cost of purchase is $6,500. If I wholesale this deal, bam, I'm going to make a $10,500 profit if I wholesale this thing for cash at a discount. Not bad, right? That's pretty good. What if though, instead you sell it with owner financing? Again, sometimes a quick nickel is better than a slow dime, but that slow dime is also good. It means more money. What kind of cash flow can I get from this deal that I only have $6,500 in instead of the $43,000 I'm in on this house? Well, let's look at this. Let's say I sell it with owner financing. Five years, I charge 11% interest. I'm going to get about 10% down when I do this. So note, my cash out of pocket is really only $4,400. Now, look at this. I'm going to be receiving from that buyer $410 a month. I don't need to take out vacancies, maintenance, repairs, future capital expenditures, insurance, no. Taxes, taxes are like 100 bucks a year. No, that is almost all pure cash flow. Now, unless you've borrowed this $4,400 from a private investor or your credit card, obviously you have to pay that back, but you can pay that off in 10 months, 10 months instead of 30 years. So in less than a year, you've got this property free and clear, right? No debt. Now, let's say you have the cash. Most of my students probably have that cash or have access to it. You're looking at $410 a month in cash flow. Now here, remember we're talking about cash on cash return? Oh, this is beautiful. Let me zoom in so you guys can see this number. Your first year cash on cash return, 108%. 108%. You know what that is? That's the amount of cash you put into the deal and how much cash you got back out. You, If you're paying this with your own money, you're putting in $4,400, you are getting $410 a month back in cash flow. You're getting 108% on your money. You can't do that anywhere else. You can't do that anywhere else. You can't do that in the stock market. Maybe you can do that in the crypto market if you're lucky and you know what you're doing and you're pulling out your hair with all of the stress that comes with that. But 108%, brother, my man. Come on, total ROI, 311%. And your cash, you get your money back in less than a year, in 0.7 years. Look at this. Let's say your goal is to make 120 grand a month in passive income. Huh? So if your passive income goal is 120 grand a year, and that means 10 grand a month, that means you need to have 24 of these properties. Well, let's say you do one deal a year. Oh, sorry, one deal a month. In two years, you will be You'll have enough passive income from your properties just buying one deal a month that you could quit your job. How long would it take to get $10,000 a month? How many of these properties at $25 a month would you need to own to get to 10 grand a month in passive income? Let's, let's just, for you know what in grins, let's look at 10 grand a month divided by $25. You would need 400 of these properties, right? You would need 400 of these homes to get the same cash flow from 24 of these little five acre vacant lots. Can I get a witness? What if you do two of these deals a month, one every two weeks? In about a year, you'll be sitting at over $10,000 a month in cash flow. Now, to prove it to you, one of my students, if you go to my YouTube channel, and you all should be subscribed to my YouTube channel, right? Just go search for Joe McCall. That's not me right there. That big muscular guy, that was not me, just in case you were wondering. So here I am live right here. If you go to my videos, do a search for my good buddy, Phil. 
P-H-I-L. Phil Marsh, I interviewed this guy about a year ago. Really good interview here. I'm going to put this link to this video in the Zoom chat for you guys watching right now on Zoom. My buddy Pace. I love Pace. We don't always see eye to eye, but Pace is a solid dude. Nobody works harder than Pace. He's great. All right. So anyway, let's skip the ad. We do disagree on things. Pace says that is good. It doesn't matter as long as it cash flows. So we just have a different philosophy on it. But here's Phil. I interviewed him in less than a year. He was over 10 grand a month in passive income from his properties. He used to do a lot of houses. Solid, simple dude. He lives in the middle of nowhere, Illinois. No offense, Phil, but he lives in uh, Springfield, Illinois. Super cool dude. And he's still active in the business. I was just talking to him a few weeks ago. All right. So back here to this. Is this doable? Can you imagine? Can you picture yourself doing this? I think so. I think it's very, very. All right. Let's do, I'm going to show you one more spreadsheet here because I told you guys I had two of them and we're, we're going to need to wrap this up here. I'm going a little longer than I expected. Um, by the way, this spreadsheet here that you have, if you're my student, and also yeah, I think you get this spreadsheet for free when you watch the webinar. If you go to simplelandclass.com, simplelandclass.com, you will see my webinar. And in that webinar, I give you a mind map and that mind map has a link to this spreadsheet. So from here, you can also, I'm not going to do this right now, but you know, if you're doing direct mail, which I recommend, how many, how much direct mail would you need to do 120 grand a year? So I just kind of, and if you're just wholesaling these things, we kind of look at, if you want to do 120 grand a year, you need to send about 369 letters a week. Well, yes, Springfield is the capital of Illinois. I was just teasing. Of course, it's not in the middle of nowhere. I have to give anybody in Illinois, I have to give them a hard time because I live in Missouri. Okay. So this spreadsheet here, sorry, Robert, anybody in Illinois that I've offended, I'm sorry, go Cardinals. So this scenario, um, real quick, is what might happen if you buy with owner financing and sell with owner financing, and you give the seller two options when you buy. So normally when I make an offer on a property, I'm making an offer to buy it with just cash. That's it. But what if you gave the sellers options? What if you said, oh, you know what? I can buy it for cash or I can give you more and buy it with owner financing. When you go look at vacant land, let's look at this here. Let's look at, I'm in St. Louis County area. I'm going to zoom out. Let's look at, instead of the pricing here, and instead of, let's look at land. And let's look at, I'm going to have to remove the keyword there, TLC, right? Let's look at lot size, minimum five acres. It's 350 vacant lots right now, over five acres. Now, I like to sell cheap, rural, recreational, vacant land to people who want to go hunting, ride their four-wheelers. So I'm not going to buy this, make an offer on this one for $1.65 million. That's to a home builder or this one for 1.75, 1.17 rather. You know, I, I'm looking for recreational vacant land an hour or two outside of the city. So I kind of like to limit my price sometimes here. Let's just limit it to 150 grand, $150,000. That, that's going to narrow it down a little bit. And I want to zoom out a little bit because I, I want to be an hour or two outside of the city. Then I got 383 homes here. Ah, what if we then also say, all right, it has to be on the MLS for more than 90 days, 285. Bam. Okay. Some of these are real cheap. These are maybe some infill lots. I don't know. It's kind of weird, but you can buy some of this land right now for 16, 15, 17 grand. Now it's out in the middle of nowhere near Springfield, Missouri, tongue in cheek. But yeah, this is what we're looking for, right? So if it's listed right now for 19.9 and it hasn't sold yet, I'm going to probably want to sell it for 15 grand, maybe 18 grand with owner financing. Just kind of throwing some things out there. Okay. So anyway, uh, this area by Lake of the Ozarks the Ozark area of Missouri. Um, this is a great place to buy and sell property. Let's zoom out a little bit more. Look, there's 151 properties in this area. And you're saying, well, okay, there's a lot of actives, but do things actually sell? Well, let's take a look at that. 
Let's see how many have actually sold in the last six months. That's a lot. Six months in the last six months. And these are just five plus acres. You wonder, is there really demand? I thought the market was going down. Everything's slowing down. I thought we were you know, in a recession and, and the days on market are going along and the interest rates are going up. Why would anybody, everybody's losing their jobs. Everything's falling apart. Why? Who, who still buys land? I don't know. In the last six months, there's been 350 of them in this southwest corner of Missouri and parts of Arkansas. 350 in the last six months. What if we change this filter from quarter acre and up? 1,600 vacant lots? 1,600. All right, well, Joe, that's six months. Let's go back instead. Let me, sorry, hold on. Let's go back three months, 90 days, 624. So you see there's a big demand. Even still in this market, there's a big demand for vacant land, rural vacant land. How do I know this is rural? Well, maybe a quarter acre isn't, but five acres, 150 properties in this map area, the southwest corner of Missouri, a little bit up in Arkansas there. Under 150 grand, I mean, if we make this 300 grand, 204 properties that have sold in the last three months. All right, so we like to follow the demand, right? I, I, if I zoomed out some more, you know, I'm probably not going to do much in this area. I'm going to do more in this area because there's more. And Zillow does maybe a little better job of kind of showing where the solds are. And you want to focus on the areas of where a lot of activity is happening. All right, so anyway, I wanted to show you like, okay, this works. This is really good. Now, let's say you found a property. It's worth $35,000. I usually make an offer at 25 to 35%. Now, I'll tell you this too. This only works for maybe the more expensive price properties. This isn't going to work as well for a property that's worth 10 or 20 grand. I would recommend like if it's got to be worth around 50,000 or more, let's say. Okay, just use that number for now. And the more expensive it is, I'm not going to offer 25%. I might offer 35% on something like this. So let's say it's worth 50. I'm going to offer about 35%. Never, by the way, offer more than 50% when you're paying cash. 50% for vacant land is always, always, always going to be your max. And that's only in the more premium price properties. Okay. That's a big, big rule. Now here, look at this. I'm giving them two options, offers, one for cash at 17.5 and one where I double that for owner financing. Let me show you what happens. Let's say you, you negotiate with the seller. You're going to put 5% down. Oh, and Joe, I don't have 5%. It's only 1,750 bucks. It's not that much money. You can get that from a credit card, from a friend, whatever, private investor. So that means you put 5% down. You can make that zero too if you want. You could maybe offer them more with zero down. Doesn't matter. Let's keep it 35% and you'll put down, because normally buy, you know, seller's going to want some money down. They're going to want some interest. So I'm going to finance this thing for five years and I'm going to pay them 4%. You could do more if you want, but it affects your cash flow. Look at the numbers here. All right, so cool. I'm going to be paying that seller $612 a month. That's a lot. But wait till you see when we sell it, what's going to happen. And by the way, when I'm buying these things, I give myself nine months, I'm sorry, three months to close. So I'm not going to start making payments until I have a buyer. I don't close on that property until I know I have the buyer. So I'm going to sell it. If I sell it for cash, I'm going to sell it at 85% current market value. So I'm going to get a wholesale profit after paying closing costs and after even paying an agent to list it for me, I'm going to make a wholesale profit on this deal of 18750 you should be shooting for a minimum of $15,000 when you wholesale land. 10 grand is okay too, all right? But that's pretty much where you want to be. If I offered 45% on this property, my, my wholesale for profit would be not bad, 13750 So you've got some room there. You understand? You just got to be aware there's fewer buyers on the more premium price properties. 
kind of depends on where it is. Let's say you're offering 35% cash, 70% with owner financing. And let's say you're owner financing it. So you're paying that seller 612. Well, let's look at on the sell side of things. Let's say you sell this thing with owner financing and I'm going to bump the price up 10% because this is a, you know, when you, when, you know, like if you were to sell a house with granite countertops and, and stainless steel appliances, you can charge a premium for that, right? When you offer financing, you can charge a premium for financing as well. So let's say we sell it for 110%. We get 10% down from our buyer and we do a five years at 11% interest. Here's the arbitrage play. We talked about arbitrage before, right? I'm charging 11%. I'm paying 4%. So my payment collected from the buyer is $1,076. What's my cash flow? Boom, there you go. $464 a month in cash flow. Am I setting aside any money for vacancies, maintenance, repairs, capital expenditures, property management? No, 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 no. Total profit on this, if I sell it with owner financing, is 31 grand. Now, my profit, if I wholesale it, was 18 grand, almost double if I sell it with owner financing. And if my goal was to get $120,000 a month in annual cash flow, how many of these properties would I need? 22. So if I did one a month, just one a month, you should be, if you're focused on this, you should be doing one a week if you're really, really hammering up this hard. But you know, you're doing it on the side. You're not losing your nights and weekends. You're doing it part time. You're having fun with it doing one a month, you should get there in two years, two years doing just one of these deals a month. Now you said, Joe, what seller in their right mind would ever accept a property at 35 cents on the dollar? Guys, I don't know. We do them all the time. I have students that do them all the time. You're going to get, let's say it's one out of conservatively, one out of 30 offers. We're at about one out of every 20 to 25 offers get accepted. Let's say you're one out of 30 offers. Let's say you're one out of 50 offers. It's a numbers game. All right. So if you want to do one deal a month, guess what? You have to make 50 offers every month. Not a big deal. Because when we make offers, we don't talk to the sellers until after we send them an offer. We send them an offer. If they're interested, then we talk to them. Now, this is amazing. This is what gets me excited. Now, disclaimers here. You can get a spreadsheet to tell you anything you want it to tell you. I started this whole video with that. You can get, I'm looking at my, all right, I need to hurry up and get off here. My team is texting me. You can get a spreadsheet to tell you anything you want it to tell you. So with all the disclaimers of that, I'm not a professional advisor. I'm not a tax accountant. I, I don't even play one on TV and I'm not that smart. So take those spreadsheets with a grain of salt, verify, test everything, test it, check it out with an attorney, with a tax advisor and all that good stuff. Cool. You know what I'm going to do? If you're watching this on YouTube right now, I'm going to put these spreadsheets in the description below on the video. How would that be? Would you guys like that? If you want those spreadsheets, I'm going to put them in the description of this YouTube video. I just ask that you subscribe to my channel. Subscribe to my channel. Give me a thumbs up if you like this stuff. I appreciate you guys. And also watch my webinar. I did a whole webinar. I teach you how to find these deals, how to sell them, how to make offers. It's very, very simple and easy. I love this business because I don't have to be the one talking to sellers. I don't talk to them until after they get my offer. All right. Question from Stephanie. Is it easier to sell vacant rural land than in the suburbs? It depends on the property. I think it is. Yes. Now, having said that, you can still sell quarter acre lots in the suburbs as well. Kind of depends. Okay, guys, I appreciate you all. We'll see you later. Take care, comb your hair, and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Down below, you'll see a link where you can get these two spreadsheets I just gave you guys. We'll see you.